Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. I get that. I understand that. Yeah, he's my creator. Yeah, he's my savior. Yes, he's holy and I am not. If it doesn't cause you, if it doesn't bring you to a place where you're caused to react or to respond to his great worth and worship, then it's just head knowledge and it's not saving knowledge. So we worship God for who he is, but we also worship God for what he's done. And this would be bringing God our affection and our adoration. We bring it and we pour it out. Now, understand this, that before he went to the cross, you realize that Jesus left his throne and he came as a man. Think about that just for a moment because that blows my mind. The scripture says in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That's what Jesus did for us. The word, Jesus, left his throne, his place of comfort and stability. He left and he became a man. When it's cold outside in the morning, I have trouble walking outside the door because it's too cold and I don't want to be uncomfortable. Jesus was in heaven in the presence of all of that glory, receiving all of the worship that he ever could have wanted from the angels, and he chose to leave that to come and to die for you. That's what the scripture tells us. So we worship God for who he is, but we also have to worship God for what he's done. First off, he left his throne. In the book of Philippians, it says that Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, coming in the form of a bondservant in the likeness of man. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. That he didn't feel like God's glory was something to be grasped or something to be held on to very strongly, that he willingly let it go, and he emptied himself of that glory to come as a man. Now understand this just for a second. Jesus was not taken from heaven, kicking and screaming, throwing a tantrum like our children do when they do something, or when we ask them to do something they don't want. He willingly left heaven. He emptied himself. He gave up that glory so that he could come and die for you. Remember the wise men when they came to worship him they came when he was a baby yet in a manger many people think that maybe he was even two years old by then right he couldn't even speak at the time when they came to worship him but they worshiped him they gave him gold and myrrh and frankincense gifts befitting of a king and a priest and a prophet who would die for our sins they came and they worshiped him because he left his throne But understand this, Jesus also offers to you and to me forgiveness. We worship God for what he's done. Well, do you realize that Jesus offers every single one of you in this room this morning his forgiveness? And we can see this fleshed out in Luke chapter 7. Turn there with me. Luke chapter 7. And while you're turning there, understand this. That this woman who we're going to read about, she hears this amazing invitation that Jesus gives in Matthew 11. And Jesus has just told everyone to come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your souls. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here's this woman who's a sinner, who's a prostitute, who has sold her body in order to provide for her needs. And she hears Jesus giving this invitation, come to me if you labor and are heavy laden. Come to me if the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Come to me and you'll finally find rest for your souls. And look at what her response is here. Her response beginning in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, she's a prostitute, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. This is her life savings. Everything that she had done, all of her sinfulness, all of the nights that she spent selling her body to gain some sort of mammon, she had invested in this oil, in this fragrant oil, and this was what she was saving for a rainy day. But she finds out that Jesus is near, this man who had given this invitation, and something within her compels her to bring to him this response. Did you hear that? This response. Because remember, worship is about a response. It's a response to what we value the most. And so what her value is, everything that she has earned by selling herself, this is what she's worth. She's bringing to Jesus what she feels she is worth. She has it here, this fragrant oil, verse 38. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. She's pouring out her worth. She's pouring everything out on the feet of Jesus. She's kissing his feet and wiping the tears with her own hair. It would have been shameful for this woman to come into the presence of all of these religious leaders. Every one of these leaders knew who she was, knew what she was about, but it didn't matter what anyone else thought. All she knew is Jesus is here and I need to worship. So here she is. She pours out, she empties everything she has before him. Verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. He said this in his own mind. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, 500 days wages. The other owed 50 denarii or 50 days wages. And when they had nothing with which to repay him, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one with whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. So he turned to the woman and said to Simon, the Pharisee, he said, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time that I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Here's the key, listen to this. But to whom little is forgiven... The same loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? 
Jesus says that there's a correlation. There's a connection between how much we love, how genuine our worship is, and to how much gravity we feel there is in our sin, how the depth of our sin, how much we understand and realize and know that we've been forgiven. This woman knew she was a sinner. She wasn't playing any games. She wasn't playing a part. She wasn't wearing a mask. She knew she was rotten and dirty to the core. And there she was because she knew she'd been forgiven, emptying everything before Jesus. We worship God for what he's done. He has forgiven us. Amen? Men and women in the homes, he has forgiven you. The scripture actually says this, that Jesus tells the, the religious leaders, I didn't come to find the well, the people who sit there thinking they have it all together. I came to find the sick because it's the sick that need a doctor. And the scripture says this, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He can't save you if you don't know you're lost. If you think you have it all together, you're not going to be saved. He came to seek and save the lost. So you who are in sin this morning, you who are destitute and broken over your sin and you're crying out to God saying God is there any way that I can be forgiven he says to you this morning he came for you he's the physician that came to heal you that came to put you back into order to put you back into place that's what he has to offer you this morning we worship God for what he's done but we also worship God for what he'll do and this is anticipation Jesus said in John 14, 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That we have a hope, and that our hope is that Jesus right now is preparing a place for us in heaven, and so we anticipate that his return could be coming very soon, maybe November 7th, and none of the rest of it will matter. But that's our hope as believers. We place our hope in who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do that we anticipate that there's something better right around the corner. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's hope. Anticipation. Hope. We worship God for what he's done. We worship God for who he is. We worship God for what he's going to do because we have hope that one day soon we will be standing in his presence and worship will have a whole new meaning at that point. So that's the object of our worship. But what's the order of worship? How am I supposed to worship God? How do I worship God? First off, we have to see that as we worship the Lord, we have very clear prescription in the scriptures as to how we are supposed to worship God. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses sees a burning bush, and he's interested because the bush isn't being consumed, but it's burning. So he approaches slowly, and the voice speaks from the bush saying, stop, don't approach, don't come any closer, don't draw near to this place, take your sandals off your feet, for this place where you're standing is holy ground. There it is again, right? Be careful the way you approach because God is holy and you can't be in his presence and survive. That's the warning that Moses hears. Later on in Exodus chapter 33 and Exodus chapter 34, again Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your splendor and your beauty and your magnificence. Show me your glory. And God says to Moses, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. 
but I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock, and when I pass by, I'll cover you with my hand, and you'll just see the train of my robe pass by. And through that, Moses glowed. But listen to what happens here. In Exodus 34, the Lord passes by before Moses. So Moses made haste. That means he did this quickly. He bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. When he saw this glimpse of God, he worshiped. He couldn't see him fully. He couldn't see his face. He had to stay at a distance. He had to keep his distance because he couldn't survive being in God's presence. But here's what's amazing is Jesus came to this earth and he changed the way we approach God. See, the prescription in the Old Testament was keep your distance. Be careful. Don't come into my presence. It's overwhelming. You will die if you see my glory. But Jesus comes and he says, don't you understand that he who has seen me has seen the Father? And then he says this. The scripture says that there's one way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. That now the prescribed way to get to worship, the prescribed way to come into God's presence is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. There is no other way into the presence of God. So when we worship, we have to come the way God prescribes. And today, the way he prescribes worship is through his son, Jesus. We come to the Father in the presence of the Father through what the Son has done. Amen? So how do we worship God? Through proper prescription, but then also through proper preparation. Turn with me to John chapter 4. Proper preparation. Many of you know this story, the story of the woman at the well. And Jesus sends his disciples off to go and to make sure that arrangements are made, but he stops here in Samaria. And there's a woman approaching who needs to draw from the well that Jacob built there in Samaria. And she's confused because Jesus speaks to her. And it was weird for a man to speak to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. And the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings. And he says to her, give me some water. She says, you're talking to me? I don't see anybody else here. He says, yes, give me some water. If you knew who it was that was asking for water, you would ask me for water, and I would give you water that you would drink, and you'd never thirst again. And she says, you're crazy. You don't even have something to draw from the well with. How are you going to get water for me? And he says, whoever drinks of the water of this well is going to thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst, but that water shall give him and become in him a fountain of water springing into everlasting life. The woman says, sir, give me this water, verse 15, that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said, go call your husband. The woman answered and says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you've said well that you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one that you're with now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And so she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mount, Mount Gerizim. You Jews say that we should worship in Jerusalem. Where should I go to worship? Where can I go to find God, she's asking. And notice what Jesus does here because he changes things. He says it's not about where you go to worship. That's not the point. The point is not about where you go to worship. The point is who are you worshiping? Do you know who you're worshiping? Listen to what he says here. Verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. 
We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you're coming here to bring your worship and this is the only place you come to bring your worship, that is not worship. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not about where you worship on this mountain or in this temple or at this church or in this sanctuary. The question is, do you know who God is? And do you realize that he is spirit and he's not bound to this place? Do you realize that this building cannot contain all that God is, don't you? So why would you come here and come to this place to bring your worship and only to this place to bring your worship? God is spirit, and if you want to connect with him, if you want to truly worship him, you have to worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't try to worship him in the flesh. You can't come here acting all hard and angry and bitter and jealous, whatever burdens you came with. You can't come in the flesh and expect to touch God's spirit. You have to prepare yourself. We prepare for tests. We prepare for deadlines at our office. We prepare for a lot of things in life. We even prepare our meals. But when was the last time you actually prepared yourself for worship before you showed up here? And you said, God, I'm going to make sure that I've prepared my spirit to commune with your spirit. And I'm going to come to you and I'm going to worship you in truth for who you are, in spirit and in truth. I'm going to make sure that I'm bringing to you the proper worship that you deserve. That's what showing up here early is all about, isn't it? To worship God in spirit and in truth that way. Now we're going to fly through these next couple of points, so write these down. Just as Jesus is worthy of our worship, you have to understand that you have an enemy that desires that worship, and he is an obstacle to worship. The enemy wants your attention In Isaiah 14, you can read how Satan fell from heaven because he said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. I'll receive the worship. I'll be the one that everyone worships. Remember, he tempts Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. He takes him to the pinnacle of a mountain and he sets him there on that mountain the peak of a mountain he shows him all of the kingdoms of the world he and satan says i'll give you all of this if you'll just bow down and worship me i want the worship satan says i want the worship satan says he wants that attention and he wants your attention as well so what does he do he sends distraction distraction can take many many different forms Maybe for some of you, it's your job, it's your work. You're caught up in your work and trying to be successful. Understand this, we will always do what we feel we do successfully. Let me say that again. We will always, we will gravitate towards doing what we feel we do successfully. Men, do you wonder why you have no problem staying at the office so late, but you just seem like you can't go home? It's because you feel like a failure at home. If you feel like you can't husband right, you can't parent right. So you spend your time doing what puffs up your pride and makes you feel proud. Those places where you feel successful. 
Listen to me this morning. God is pleased with you because of what Jesus did. And you can worship him freely. You can find fulfillment in that worship because his wrath has already been satisfied by what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? So maybe it's work. Maybe for some of you, it's your shame, your regret. Maybe for some of you, it's trials and tribulations like Job. Job lost all of his oxen and all of his donkeys. He lost all of his sheep as fire consumed them. He lost all of his camels. And then a tornado or something ripped through and tore down the house where his children were gathering to party. And the house collapsed on them. All of his children taken in a moment. Trials. Talk about trials. But in the midst of that trial, this is what Job says in Job chapter 1. Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Why was he able to do that? Because his eyes weren't fixed upon his trial or his problems. His eyes were fixed upon God and God was bigger than all of that. Don't allow the enemy to rip you off or to distract you from bringing to God the glory that is due his name. So what's the outcome of all of this? What's the outcome of worship? The aim of our worship has to be the glorification. The goal, the end goal of worship has to be the glorification of God. The book of Philippians, it says that Jesus has been given a name that is exalted above any name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those of the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus will get the glory that is due his name either now or later, but it's your choice. You can either bow to him now or you'll be forced to bow later when you stand in the presence of a glorious, awesome God. But here's what's amazing, is even though the end goal of our worship should be the glorification of God, there's a byproduct that comes out of our worship. And that byproduct, that byproduct is the liberation of man. Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts chapter 16. They've just been beaten with rods because they're causing a commotion in the area and nobody likes the message that they're preaching. And they're... They're at midnight bound by stocks. They're there chained after having been beaten. And it says this in Acts 16, 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. When? When were they set free? When were prison doors open? When were shackles falling to the ground? When they worshiped God even in the midst of their trial. When they said, these chains are big, this cell is big, but my God is bigger. And I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to give my value or my attention to anything or anyone but Jesus and Jesus alone. And they sing with all their heart. They pour their hearts out before God. And chains are loosed and doors are open and they are set free to worship God. So the question for all of us this morning Is who are we going to allow to captivate our hearts? Who is it that is holding your heart this morning? Are you bound 
this morning by your trials, by your circumstances, by the greed of money, by your work or your job? What is it that is binding you hand and foot? What is it that has thrown you into that same jail cell that you need to be set free from? Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.